0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I got him. I just had dinner with the Obama, what did you do? Hop up on Twitter talking about the stuff you don't do. Rock off a lawn, cause that
1: is what you gonna do. Sabiato New Balance, style of style. Third down and six, right up the gut. That is Gibson, and he is gone. Third of the ball game for the rookie, Antonio Gibson. Farms, that's the Farms, all you hear is oi.
0: One time for BDR, we just trying to see you out. I used to be now beating City
1: up. Why should you talk to one Respect about her. Picked up. And Mullins fumbles the football. Washington has it back. Chase Young. They're chasing him down the sideline. And Chase Young has a Washington touchdown. I've been ungrateful but thankful. I've been ungrateful
0: but thankful. Maybe I got it all two fans two fans to too fast, too soon. Living life, no feelings,
1: no rules move, been a ready, of been
0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Birdie Network Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Taylor, and joining me, Brian Murphy. The beard is coming out, Brian. Are you growing it out now, or are you kind of just letting it do its thing?
1: Yeah, I know. It doesn't seem right when it's getting hotter to add more to my face, but uh, yeah, I'm just kind of letting it go. I'm sure my wife will tell me differently shortly, but for now, I'll keep it. We gotta think of something to where if we win a certain amount of games,
0: you're willing to just shave the beard off. Oh yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe like if we make the playoffs, maybe like back to back seasons when the NFC East break the curse, we'll have you shave off your full facial hair. I yeah. think that's good enough bet, right? i will do it
1: like during the podcast. We'll do a lot. It's live or something. Yeah, for sure. I'm live show sure. if
0: in. we make the playoffs. But guys, this is the Birdie Network podcast, as you know, and it is brought to you by Bet Online, who is the best. Websites use for all your sports bets. It's what I use. So when Washington does win back to back, I'm putting money on it right now. So when we're up, you know, ten and zero, I can win a lot of money. Don't (laughs) feel bad about it. But guys, just head over to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's crazy. Fifty percent free money to play.
1: Let's go. So
0: if you were dumb enough to bet on the Heat to beat the Bucks you still got 50% to play with. So you can put it on John Morant being the best up-and-coming point guard, and you'll win a ton of money that way. But on this episode, we're not going to talk about NBA, but we're going to leave that in the hands of my guy, Manny Chacuba, who kills it over there talking all sports. But this episode, we're going to talk about the blueprint for the Washington football team coming up. We just had a little bit of taste of some football, some little camp action going on. And Ron said, all right, I saw enough. Oh, we're out here playing hard enough. We're going to, you know move mandatory camp up a little bit and then we have training camp coming up after that so we're going to walk through talk about the additions a little bit who we lost what we're expecting and kind of just lay out the foundation i mean we're we're laying the foundation for ron rivera he can thank us later right but this is the blueprint to follow like this is the key for the season this is the path to the playoffs we'll call it this sheet that i have these two notes that i took at lunch sprackly throughout the week because you of my schedule being. Intense. I love it a,
1: a, a work in lunch, man. You got to work through it. I love it. I
0: don't clock out. I just I'm I'm Washington football twenty four seven. Got the polo on if you're looking at the video, but if you're just listening, I was telling Brian this is like the most official polo I own. And yeah. it's Washington. Like I feel like I work for the team. Like I feel like a scout or something. But so Ron, you know, sign me up. I already got the gear. You don't only have to hook me up. Got the hat. Got the polo. Got the flag. We're good to go. We're going to start with defense, Brian, Yep. because this defense was already phenomenal. And you can make a case that we made it even better over the offseason, which is kind of crazy to say, considering this was the best defense we've had in such a long time. You start out by drafting one of the best linebackers, Jamin Davis. Then you have Ben St. Juice. So, you know, not a lot of people knew about him, but you add him. Already making plays, intercepted a little pass in front of Tam. I know you saw a pick. They oh, dropped yeah. a little teaser clip today. Derek Forrest made another interception in camp. You know, run with it. Say, oh, it's just practice. I don't care. I like seeing young guys make plays. Everyone was hyped. The energy was flowing. And then you have William Bradley King and Shaka Tony, these end guys, who can have a key role with Ryan Kerrigan being gone, like we mentioned in the last podcast. Then you add a free agent, William Jackson the third. He's not a household name by any means, but he's one of the best pressed corners in the league. And I think this guy is going to be a star this season. I think this guy is going to gain more respect, not only from Washington fans, but the league
1: this coming season. Especially behind that front seven too. Oh
0: yeah. And then you got Kendall Fuller on the opposite side. Like we had Darby who, you know, had a great season. Solid. Yep. Went over to Denver (laughs) for whatever reason. They paid him a ton of money and then signed Patrick Sertain. Leave that up to them. None of our business. Yeah,
1: that is curious.
0: (laughs) Really weird. I don't know how... Someone's going to rotate in, and it better not be Patrick Sertain, because that's not just Alabama in me. But then we also add, really late, Bobby McCain, who might be that free-safety spot guy that we'll talk about. But he says, you know, slow your horses. I can play any role. I'm a DB. I respect it. And then a small, little underrated Dale Roberts signing. But like I said, we did lose Kerrigan and Darby. Then we also lost Kevin Pierre-Lewis, who was... Not bad. Very um, serviceable linebacker for us right. last year. I couldn't say anything bad about the guy, you know, not knowing too much out of him when we signed him from Chicago, coming over to a bad linebacker core, held his own. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the front seven did help out. It could help me, please linebacker. But you know what? <laughs> I respected his game. And then Ryan Anderson, who never really fit into this scheme. And then Fabian Moreau, who was
1: kind of like a fan, low-key favorite. I feel like a lot of people really like Fabian, you know, respected it- his game. He made a couple of plays. I'll give him that. Yeah. And so it, yeah. he turned it into something. He's down here in Atlanta now. So uh, best of luck to him. It just seems like a, like you mentioned it, all these guys that kind of went off elsewhere. I think they really benefited from how dominant that front seven is. And so now that Washington probably got better in all those areas, I'm excited to see just like the next step for this defense. So you mentioned all these ad- additions. I'm like, ooh, man, come on. I can't wait to see the, them out there. It got even better. And this is this is
0: like what we talked about. This is all Ron's regime. Like people say, oh, so and so is not a Ron guy. That was a J guy. Like being labeled a J guy is probably the yeah, worst thing. It's taboo. Like you, call me what you want, but don't call me a J guy. Right.
1: <laughs> like, well, I mean we've talked about that a, a little bit already, you know, in these off-season podcasts. If you're not a Ron guy, you gotta be looking over your shoulder. That's for sure. Yeah,
0: the target's on your back. You're like
1: you're you don't have a seat at the lunch
0: table much longer, that's for sure. And someone that we forgot about but then now people like oh shoot we got Matt Ioannidis back like you can put him in your mock trades for Julio Jones whoever I don't see him going anywhere like this guy is a beast you can you can honestly make an argument for three of the interior guys with Payne Allen Ioannidis to be the top interior guys of the team all three have a case to be the best right They all are kind of different in their own ways, but, dude, Matt Ioannidis, not only just with his run-stopping abilities, which is top-notch, but when he gets to the quarterback, like, he can just suck down that middle of the line to shut it down for guys like whoever's with him on the field with Payne or Allen and just wreak havoc, and then, like we said, with Chase Young and Montez Sweat. It honestly doesn't get better than that. So Matt Ioannidis is back. He's going to remind us quickly, like, hey, don't forget about me. I am here. Now we do have a couple stories to watch. So I was thinking in my head, what is some headlines to really think about going into camp? What do I personally want to look for that I'm kind of scratching my head on? The biggest one that we've been talking about for a while. Obviously, because of the amount of money that's invested with Lane Collins, where he plays and how much he plays is what's really going to come out. Like, are we going to be doing like three safety sets, like with Cam Curl and whoever the free safety is? And then Landon Collins kind of in that, like the middle of the field, like closer, it's like the linebacker spot, but it doesn't really have to be a linebacker. You can have three safety sets. You can, you know, do some sub packages and stuff like that. What do you really think about that whole situation?
1: Well, I I think, you know, we were like, okay, Landon Collins is going to come back. How does he fit in, especially with the emergence of Cam Curl? But then you look at some of the the moves that we just talked about. I mean, St. Juice, um, Derek Forrest, those are two guys they drafted in the defensive backfield. And then Bobby McCain, and it kind of muddies the waters even more. You know, where does Landon Collins fit in? Um, I might be in the minority. I think you might agree with me. I think he was starting to play okay before he got injured. So I'm kind of curious to see what he looks like. I know his – his contract is huge and that could be an issue you expect all pro level you know from a guy getting paid that much but really honestly my quick answer is I don't know especially with all of the additions into the defensive backfield where does he fit in I I mean I'm sure they're going to find a way to use him in different roles like you said you know the talk has been about linebacker all that sure whatever I mean I'm just curious to see where he fits in because it seems like they they, they got younger this offseason and they they're going to want to see what those guys can do. Um, it'll be I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where Landon Collins fits into that that puzzle. Um, but I am I will say I'm excited to see him back out there. It sounds like, you know, he was kind of going through like mental reps, kind of back behind everything, um, which is good to see. Uh, you got to think that he kind of sees the writing on the wall too, right? I mean, he, oh, yeah, he hears
0: the noise. I mean, he's been asked about yeah. it too.
1: So, I mean, in the same way, he's not a, a Ron signee, right? I mean, so he, Ron didn't sign him. So he's got to prove himself just as much as all these other guys that were J guys and J draft picks. And, um, you know, so we'll, we'll see. I, I think that he's going to hopefully play his way into to being on the field in different ways. But I will be curious to see how they use him and how they rotate really all these guys in. Cause uh, it seems like right now there, there are a lot of mouths to feed on that defensive side of the ball.
0: Yeah. And it's not like, I mean the people are going to remember the bad plays on Landon Collins. There were some good ones. I mean, he's been like the leading tackler on the team for a while now. Yeah. He's, he's always been that pretty sure tackler. He had a couple misses, but like I said, that's the place people are going to remember. If you have a bad play, it's going to stand out more than just uh routine. You're supposed to tackle that guy. Like, good job. You did your job kind yeah. of thing.
1: And, and I will say, you know, uh, not, not last year, obviously, but the year before, I think he was in consideration for a Pro Bowl. And I know Pro Bowls are watered down, but I mean, he definitely yeah. was making some impact plays. And, and like you said, last year, um, I think he had a pick against Kyler Murray. And then he also had a sack, I think the same game that he ended up getting hurt in. So, you know, you, you're absolutely right. There were some positives, but I think that, um some positives don't outweigh the, the, his contract and we'll always go back to that if he's not living up to that not making uh, game-changing plays every week everybody's going to be kind of dogging on him until that changes
0: yeah then you have cam curl who just comes out as like the seventh round treasure it has a phenomenal season i mean it couldn't have been any better for the guy right. like he's making interceptions he's taking him to the crib Making big plays, bringing that energy. Like, you're not going to be able to just say, All right, well, Landon Collins is an upgrade from this because he might not be. Like, honestly, that's okay. It's just more of a story because of how much money is invested in the guy. And honestly, Mm -hmm. because of the name. Like, you hear Landon Collins, he's a known commodity on the defensive side of the ball. So that's why I think that's something key to watch as it has been leading up to now. One thing that really had me scratching my head at Minicamp is Apke lining up as corner. Yeah. I'm sure you saw some of that. Honestly, when I saw that, that's like a, hey, this is our last-ditch effort before we cut you kind of move. Is that really how you've seen it? Or do you really think, hey, maybe with his skill set, you know, being smaller, having some speed, maybe he's better as a corner?
1: I mean, I think the most projected off-season move or, or the, the projected move before the season starts is Troy Apke being cut. I mean, I don't see how the, he doesn't. And so maybe they were giving him one last chance to to see if maybe he sticks as a corner. Like you said, he's got some speed and all that. But I think one of the first things we heard about, uh, you know, him moving to corner was him getting beat deep by Deami Brown or somebody or Terry. I can't remember which yeah, one, it was but De'Ami this Brown. was the it, yeah, it was the same thing over again. And it was you know, it doesn't matter if he's a safety or a corner. I just don't think he's I don't think he's long for 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 time in uh, in DC. So. Yeah, I think it, it makes sense to give it one last go. You know, safety obviously didn't work out. Maybe corner does, but I, I don't really see a way that he makes it for a lot of those similar reasons. I mean, a couple of guys added in the defensive backfield, and then um, shoot. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't see how he makes this to, uh, yeah. fifty-three man I roster, mean, especially with the corner
0: spot. Like we we have added corners, we've drafted St. Juice. Like we're just we're filling it in. This is Ron's team. Right. And has already been struggling. If he was making plays, he would have a case for himself.
1: But I, I will say he he's gotten every chance to to, to make it happen. It just has yeah. not worked out. You feel kind of bad, but you know, just it's it's not working out. Yeah, if he's had long enough, him and Sims is right on that line too, we'll talk yeah. about. Um
0: but let's look at a little bit of projected depth chart, you know, before we head into camp, really what we think could line up in the positions, you know, the battles that could be going on. Um, I think obviously with the interior D-line, it's going to be like how it was before Ioannidis got hurt, like we said. Him, Allen, Payne, rotating, which I love, honestly. Like, you can say, man, I really hate having one of those guys rotate in because of how good they are. And then when they get paid these contracts, like Allen's probably going to get an extension soon. And then Payne possibly after that. I Night just got paid like what a season or two ago. Yeah. So, like, it's going to get to that point where you have three possible big contracts rotating in. That's where things can get kind of watery, hence why some of these guys were included with some mock trades. But for right now, still Allen and Payne are cheap. Rotate those guys in. You have fresh legs. There's nothing wrong
1: with that. Good problem it's, to have for sure. Yeah.
0: Tell me that a fresh Payne's coming off the, the bench for a third down rotating in and he gets a sack because of that. Like yeah, exactly. I'm all for that. That's a good like I said, that's a good problem to have. And then settle on his limited stats that he had made some plays, couple sacks last season as well. I think he had like what five? I'll have to check but I'm pretty sure he had a high number. It was up there with Kerrigan. I saw some game I mean, advancing going on.
1: Yeah. I mean they were top five uh, in sacks in the league. So you got, you know, they came from a bunch of different places. So, yeah, you you know, I I was listening to you say that rotating those, those three guys and Ionitis Payne um, and John Allen. And then uh, I was like, Oh, what about settle? Oh, what about James Smith Williams? I mean, who, who made a couple of plays as a, as a late round rookie last year. So yeah, there's a lot of depth there. It's certainly the strength of the team, but it does make you wonder, you know, how, how long are these? Is this group gonna be together with those contracts coming up? You know, I think a lot of these trades are a little far fetched that we've seen, but I mean, it it's certainly it makes sense to deal from your strength. So it wouldn't shock me if something came along like that where they traded um, one of these guys down the road. But right now, it's it's awesome to have them all there and know that you've got um, you know three spots but like four to five guys that you'd be happy with starting out there that's a that's a great thing to have for this defense
0: yeah this is a window of opportunity to take advantage of like especially if you're the offensive side of the ball and you're not making plays this defense is going to look at you like it did sometimes last season season and like hey guys what's what's going on we (laughs) we are dominating at all costs we need y'all to score some points
1: it's a good barometer too in practice i mean this is as good as it You know, not as good, but one of the best defenses you're going to face is in practice. I mean, that's a good test for your offense before they even take a snap in August, you know, or September or whatever uh, preseason starts. So, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yep. And like you said, with the DN mission, uh, Smith-Williams, obviously we have Sweat and Young, Kerrigan gone. We add these two fresh guys late in the draft with William Bradley King and Shaka Tony and then Smith-Williams coming back for his second season. To me, that that depth was something that we've talked about going into the draft. Like, we need that, especially with Kerrigan. Like, we expect him to be gone. So, if Sweat and Young can stay healthy, you have these guys, like we mentioned, rotating in fresh legs. I think people don't realize how good William Bradley King and Shaka Tony could possibly be. Yeah. I'm big fans of them. Like, compared to some of the other late-round guys, I mean – I feel like obviously Cam Curls kind of made us believe that there's great talent out there in the seventh, but it's all about just the physical aspect of these guys. I love how fast they are. We talk about the athletic scores with all the guys in the draft. Like The upside is absolutely there. So The DN spot for me, the whole D-line is obviously, I think we both agree, the strongest part of this team, like you just mentioned. Um, And then linebackers. This is one I want to kind of take a second on because obviously there's some room for growth on this. And for me, I really took a look at this. We have Cole Holcomb, Jamin Davis, and John Bostic, su- supposedly the starters for the season. Right. And we saw in camp, this is the big question I want to see, is where do they play Davis? Yeah. Is he going to play Will or is he going to play middle? He's not, he's not going to play Sam. I think that's Cole Holcomb's spot to hold down. I think he's a solid Sam guy. For me, it was... I think they really want Jamin Davis to be a middle linebacker guy. And I absolutely agree with him. I think that's where he's going to do his best. We talked about how bad they want that middle linebacker, like that Luke right. Keith, this defense, disciplined, military guy, smart on the field, go getter, hard hitter, does it all like that's him. And they lined him up as a middle linebacker for the uh, mini camps. Yeah. But but my one problem I have is Bostic as a wheel. I don't I do not like that at all. I've seen yeah. enough of Bostic. I think he's a great serviceable linebacker, but I think as a middle linebacker, I think as a will, you're asking for trouble. And when you really break it down, this is really how the linebacker spots lay out for those who don't really know the Sam is the better tackler more commonly used as a pass rusher on the tight end side. So I think Cole Holcomb did a great job there last season. The will is the fastest of the three, generally better in coverage on the slot receiver side of the ball. And then the mic is that captain of the defense makes play calls, must be able to tackle, blitz, and cover. So just does awfully well. I don't think Bostic does a will enough. I don't think he's fast enough to keep up with the slot receiver side of the field. Good lord, we've seen a couple plays the year before last with tight ends, with especially with like Ertz and some of these bigger name tight ends just getting torched. I mean, he was getting embarrassed. And I hate to say it. Yeah, I like him more as a middle linebacker. So do you think that Washington and Ron? And Del Rio looking at this like we want to play Davis as the middle so bad, but Bostic might be a liability on the outside as a will.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I was kind of surprised, shocked, I guess, to hear that he was going with the middle linebacker spot that early on. But I think you're right. I think they want to see what he can do and, and kind of throw him in a couple different situations. I imagine all summer we're going to hear him lining up in a bunch of different, I mean, you know, there's really only three spots for a linebacker. But I, I feel like we're going to see him doing a whole lot, um, bouncing between those. So they see where he thrives and where he sticks at. Um, but you're right. John Bostic just kind of – he – he to me, he is that middle linebacker, the one that can call out the plays, that is, is you know, solid but doesn't do anything really special. And, you know, he can be easily exposed. The one thing that keeps popping into my mind is, you know, defenses kind of change up. You don't always stay in your base. Right. So I'm I'm wondering if there are a lot of like two linebacker sets and they bring up, you know, a, a Landon Collins, you know, as another linebacker. I know he's not going to play linebacker. He's already said that. But maybe some packages, maybe they're they're thinking that uh, Davis and Holcomb are going to be the only two linebackers out there sometimes because um you know maybe that's why he's running as the middle linebacker maybe they're thinking Bostic will be out there maybe on first down or something like that and then he rotates off I don't know but it'll be interesting to see I think that's that's another question you know we're talking about safeties where's landing Collins gonna be at but how are those linebackers gonna um how are they gonna line up and what does that look like and uh right now it, it seems like a total stab in the in the dark you know where they're gonna line up to start the season so That'll be something that I, I keep an eye on. I'll probably check, be checking tweets about training camp and well, where do he line up this time? You know, what what package were they in? That kind of thing. So it is interesting. The good thing, you know, as much as you talk about Bostick being limited, it seems like Jamin Davis is the exact opposite, that he really could thrive in all three of those positions. And so maybe this is more of them trying to see where he fits best as opposed to, um, you know, just trying to force him into middle linebacker. Maybe they just want to see all that he can do. Because I mean, I yeah. mean, you know, he's a 19th pick. We, we've talked about how that's not a super sexy number. It's not not high or anything like that. But he's a first round pick, and they're going to expect him to make some plays as a rookie. And so, what better way to find out if he's going to make some plays than kind of throw him in the middle of everything?
0: Yeah, I was I was really looking at this, and I agree with you. I think Davis can do all three if need be. I think there'll be rotational plays. Like he's not going to just stick in one spot throughout the whole game. But one thing I was really looking at that's really curious, and I just had this like light bulb: if Kalique Hudson can step up, I'm not saying like he sucks or anything, but I'm just saying if he can take that next level jump to be a pretty good will linebacker, which I think would be his best bet. I, I could see middle linebacker, but I could see him being a will guy also. Mm-hmm. If he can take that rollover and like step up and be a a. a Good solid starter. I think Davis could just stick in that middle spot and grow and just develop, still rotate out and stuff like that. I mean, you could flop the two if you want to, but I think colleague Hudson could be this one piece of the defense that we don't realize that we have if he pans out. I know he's a fifth round draft pick, I'm not worried about picks, rounds, whatever. We can throw out first round busts, we can throw out seventh round gems, we can do all that. I'm not worried about that. The dude's quick. Um, Mm -hmm. I know he's just like a special teams guy right now. Cool. Respect it. Maybe that's what Derek Force is going to be to start out and then kind of have his moment too, you know, going into the defense. But I think League Hudson could be a key piece where if he really takes that next step on the defense, the linebacker core is solid. Because I think this is Boston's last season. I mean, he's been in the season. I mean, the league forever. He's getting up there in age. We didn't even know if he'd come back this season, so I think he could be that next guy to take over in the linebacker spot. Do you think that's crazy to say? As I punch my desk.
1: <laughs> no, I, I was looking through the roster too, and I kind Been of the table
0: before he Clay yeah, Hudson.
1: There you go. I, I was looking at that too. I was like, oh man, he he could be, you know, maybe one of those like hybrid line. I mean, him and Landon Collins are about the same size. I was just looking at that. I mean, if you trust the roster, they're both six foot, like around yeah. two twenty. So get weight maybe, numbers. Yeah, so maybe they do use him in, in a way like that. And honestly, now that we're talking about it, I think that, you know, with the lack of big signings, like it felt like they kept skipping over linebacker. Maybe that was because they were planning on going with it in the draft, but maybe they do like some of the names that they have on the roster. It seems like Holcomb, you know, has uh, showed signs of, of taking big steps. They obviously think highly of Jamin Davis. It kind of makes me wonder if John Bostic might be one of those surprise cuts. I think they value his leadership and kind of calling out the plays. But, you know, we've seen that nobody is safe, right? I mean, we didn't expect Morgan Moses. We thought maybe down the road, maybe next year or or something like that, he might be gone, but not this quick. Maybe John Bostic is that on the defense. Maybe they like Kalik Hudson and Holcomb and Davis and enough of, you know, uh, these hybrid safety, whatever you want to call them, and Collins uh maybe there's there's he's an odd man out for uh, John Bostic you know he, he's getting up in age like we're talking about um that's just um, that's just something that's coming to mind when we're talking about Cleek Hudson because I'm sure they'd love for him to take a step forward but if he does does that kind of take away the playing time and the need for a, a veteran like Bostic
0: yeah because there's so many times and like even after for agency we're like all right We could easily sign this guy. He ended up signing like a one mil, two mil deal. Why are we skipping on all these linebackers? And um, Michael uh, Kendricks was another guy that I thought would possibly come back very, you know, under the rug, kind of signing really late in the season. Pretty, you know, serviceable guy for Seattle. We haven't re-signed him or anything. I think he's still a free agent right now. Like I figured he'd be maybe a depth guy because we're talking about guys like David Mayo and some of these like practice squad-esque names in the linebacker yeah. corps backups, I personally don't feel so good about that. Maybe that's why Boschek will stick around is because there's really not much to fall back on. Say if someone does get hurt, then we're just left with, you know, David Mayo as our starting linebacker. I don't know how I feel about that. No Maybe. shade of David Mayo. Right. You know, great name. But I'm just not comfortable with our linebacker corps being like that. So to me, that's the one thing I'm watching, like, how high are they on Klee Hudson? Can he take that next step to possibly be a starter, if not this season, next season? Like, we've seen him start out special teams, made some good little tackles. Maybe. It's just it's just something I'm going to pin on the board and come back to you later. Sure. Because I don't like Bostick as a world linebacker at all. I think that is screaming liability. And, yes, it allows you to play Davis in the middle, but I'd much rather have Bostick in the middle and Davis on the outside.
1: Well, especially with – Go ahead. You, you mentioned Ertz earlier, but especially, you know, the other tight ends in this division, who knows if Ertz sticks around, but Dallas Goddard, the Giants uh, went out and got Kyle Rudolph along with Evan Ingram. I mean, you can't be scared of your own division, but you play both. You play all those teams twice. Yeah. We're
0: playing this year. We're playing Kelsey this year.
1: Yeah, Kyle Pitts. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't John... from
0: the Packers, like we're playing the top linebackers yeah. this season.
1: You're, it's, a, it's a nightmare. You'd wake up in cold sweats thinking about John Bossack trying to cover one of those guys. So you're, you're absolutely right.
0: If you don't believe me, just watch the tapes from two years ago. It was not pretty. Literally week one, just watch it, and it's just like somehow the Titan got separation, like he was Randy Moss. No idea how. Um, but that's just something I wanted to really dive into those linebackers because obviously I think that's still one of our weak points on the defense. Um, but I just I don't know. I just kept thinking about Clay Cutson. Call it something in my gut. I just have a feeling like if he takes the next step, he could be huge for us. Um, and then with the corners. Like I said, we improved. We did lose Darby. We're all freaking out, and it didn't last long because William Jackson III, in my opinion, is an upgrade. He's a more mm-hmm. sure press corner, and I love press corners all day long. And then we have Fuller and question mark Jimmy Morland as the uh, nickel corner. That they, yeah. they seem to like him. He plays very well there. Now, this is where it starts to get fishy, and we're going to do a little segment with um, who we think is going to be our biggest contributor, maybe a little sneaky under-the-radar pick. And then who can be our letdown? And I might surprise some people with this one. They might have some people mad at me. But you have William Jackson the third, You have Kendall Fuller. Then you have Jimmy Moreland as that nickel. Where do you fit St. Juiced if he is your corner? Are you just bringing him off the bench every now and then? Or do you think they can move Kendall Fuller, who played a lot of nickel corner, kind of kick Jimmy Moreland off to the curb a little bit, and then you have St. Juiced on the outside, William Jackson, the third on the outside, and then Kendall Fuller as a nickel corner. What do you think? And where do you think he kind of settles himself into?
1: Yeah, I think he's got to be definitely competing with Jimmy Moreland. I think, like you said, they like Jimmy Moreland, but you know, he is a little undersized. I mean, he was a, uh, was he drafted or seventh round? Seventh yeah. Round. Seventh, seventh round. round. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you know, nothing against seven, seventh round picks. We've seen guys, thrive we've seen cam curl all that but i mean there's a reason you slip to the to the seventh round so maybe that jimmy morland is a guy that's kind of on the bubble or you know a guy that st juice kind of comes in and at least pressures and, and and makes them think twice about who they're going to take or who they're going to play um you know you still have uh, you know you need multiple corners not like you only play three corners you're going to need guys for special teams and all that but you know when you draft a guy in the third round like st juice you got to think that they they've got plans to use them and they're going to de- deploy him out there um I think there was talk about him potentially being a safety but I think that he's going to be at corner so yeah there, there's going to be uh some competition there and Hopefully, Jimmy Moreland takes that and runs with it. I mean, like you said, he, he's shown flashes. It seems like it was more in, like, the preseason and training camp than, you know, actually the regular season. But uh, definitely he's got to be looking over his shoulder. Another one of those guys that's just got to be like, hmm, I wonder if my spot is as certain as it was this time last year. So um, hopefully that, you know, they find a way to get them all out there because they're all overperforming and, and ball hawking all over the place. But you got to think the Juice is Definitely coming for Jimmy Moreland. I don't see him, you know, taking down William Jackson III or Kendall Fuller. So you, you got to think that those two are going to go at it all camp long.
0: I think, and I, I kind of just go back and listen to what Ron said when we drafted St. Juiced. And I don't know if those was coach talk or what, but he said with his size, I mean, he's the complete opposite of Jimmy Moreland size-wise. I mean, right, <laughs> complete opposite. And he said, you know, with his size, you don't want to play him inside too much. And I kind of agree with him. I think he's going to do much better on tight ends. I think he's going to do much better on the bigger wide receivers like Kenny Galladay. Um, so to me, I think we're going to see a lot of packages with St. Juice on the outside with William Jackson, the third on the other side and Kendall Fuller rotating into the uh, nickel and taking over Jimmy's spot. I think, you know, Fuller yeah, makes and sense. William Jackson are going to start on the outside and you could see Jimmy Morley on the inside, I think St. Juice is going to rotate in at first. I don't think he's just going to start on the defense. Obviously, the the corner spots are too good right now for St. Juice. I don't see him as an inside corner guy at all, to be honest with you. So I think we will see more of that package. Because even in Kansas City, Kendall Fuller played a lot in the corner. He played a lot in the corner for us before when he was here. And he played some free safety in Kansas City, too. So there's a lot of different pieces that can be moved around. But, man, I I think if you have – St. Juice with his big body on the outside, William Jackson, the third, and then Kendall Fuller on the inside. That's a dangerous little combo, especially when you do play big wide receivers. Um, You know, Jimmy Moore is a small little guy. He's a feisty little guy. He fights for the ball, makes big plays. But, man, I think that's what they're really going to do for it. Um, And then you have, you know, some depth guys, Danny Johnson, Greg Stroman, who they have always kind of liked. So the depth is there. Right. But, like, if you draft a guy in the third, I feel like you've got to use him a good bit. You don't want him to, to just sit. And I think the the way that he does play the most would be in outside corner just because of his size. I don't want him running on the inside. Um, and maybe he does play some free safety. I don't I don't know how he would do with that. I think he's strictly a corner, but go ahead.
1: Well, I was going to say, and, you know, Ron has – Based on a lot of his moves, once guys that are versatile, right? So maybe it's yeah. a little bit of all of this. Maybe it's a lot of disguising looks and and rolling out a couple of different things to to give quarterbacks different looks. And maybe you see these guys kind of jumping in and out of different places. Obviously, you want to get some rhythm and all that. But uh, I, I think Ron definitely prefers a guy like St. Juice who can, you know, like you said, potentially guard a tight end, but also go out wide with a wide receiver. Whereas Jimmy Moreland, like you're saying, Really, kind of only has the slot position to, to you know, as one of his strong suits. So maybe the versatility wins out there, and um, you know, Saint Juice unseats him.
0: Yeah, and then we talk about getting Bobby McCain, who said, "Hey, guys, I'm not just a safety. I can play right. corner and safety." And he played both for Miami. He's only five foot nine, one ninety five. I didn't realize how small he was. Yeah. Um, but still, you know, he was a great free safety. I think that was a much needed improvement. I think we were all hyped when we got him. I think he obviously – I think he would absolutely start as a free safety. I know there's a lot of Reeves fans out there. I like Reeves. I haven't seen enough to be like, oh, yeah, he's our starter for the whole season. I'd rather McCain be that starting free safety and then like Cam Curl start opposite in a strong safety like we've talked about. Then you've got Shazer Everett, Derek Forrest added, possibly Apke. We think he's going to be gone So you have some depth pieces with that safety spot, but I think McCain is that starting guy. And, you know, if, you know, God forbid, someone goes down, Fuller gets hurt, William Jackson III gets hurt or something, maybe McCain can step up, play inside, and then you have St. Juiced and whoever's not hurt on the other side. So a lot of great pieces. Like, that's what you want. You don't want to be hurt, and then you're like, hey, Apke, you know, Come on back, Come bud. On, get
1: burned again.
0: <laughs> this is your curtain call. <laughs> yeah. Good luck to you. So I like that. Some people aren't too keen on it because, like, well, I want so-and-so to get more reps. I want so-and-so to get more reps. I don't want this rotating in all the time. But I think it's great for defense. I like the disguises, like how much you can do. Like you said, we're not going to typically play just three linebackers. We can do two and three safeties and just have two corners and then the front four. So there's a lot you can do with it. Um, so I want to look at contributors for this team. Who is the one guy that you think could surprise people and step up? I've already said mine. I, I think Klee Hudson could be that key piece. Well, what do I think he is going to be? I don't know. But I think that if there is someone that could step up and just come out of nowhere and help us that we didn't know he would, I think Klee Hudson would be the guy. Who do you think would be your guy?
1: So I don't know if it's being a late round pick and just kind of following in the footsteps of uh, uh, Cam Curl, but I, I'm, I'm looking at Shaka Tony. I think that hmm. he could really have a, a a big role and, you know, he's not gonna, he's not gonna start over Chase Young or Montez Sweat. I realize that, but in, you know, his situational role, I could see him being a huge factor and, you know, uh, what was it, the Giants, when they would win their Super Bowls, they would have their NASCAR package, right? They'd have like yeah. three, four of their best pass rushers. Maybe he comes in and he's one of those guys where he's just an extra rusher on the field. Um, you know, what is he, like a top, top 10 in sacks at Penn State? I mean, just uh, top, another, top like, like yeah, like, like you mentioned, just a, a freak athlete. And so um, I could see him making some contributions. I think he's not going to play a whole lot. Um, you know, I think he's gonna jump in there with him and 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 Bradley King. Um, I think they're gonna kind of do what uh Ryan Kerrigan did, kind of in situational roles, a a limited um number of snaps. Um, but I could see him coming out there and and that translating uh pretty well to to the NFL and him kind of surprising some people. And like I said, not not to start, not to push those guys, but just a guy that could be a solid contributor and Maybe you make a play or two before the season's over. So I'm going to stick with another late-round pick, uh, maybe the, the Cam Curl uh, Award winner this year <laughs> being Shaka Tony.
0: We're going to make a seventh-round gym trophy. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you think about it, like, like you said, they're not going to start, but when you want them to show up, they possibly could. That's like third and long key moments of the game. Yeah. That's where the games are won. Third down conversions, third and long Shakatoni Tony sack. Like that's going to go a long ways. I mean, that's pretty. we saw that a good bit out of Kerrigan last season, like you said. And then what we mentioned was Settle made some big plays out right. of his limited snaps, so he could do that same thing. They, I agree you, I didn't think about that too much.
1: Yeah, they're obviously, you know, they're going to – offensive lines and offenses in general, they're going to know where Chase Young is at probably more than anybody. They're going to know where Montez – sweat is that they're gonna start to know where pain is i think pain gonna become more of a household name and that's gonna leave some of these guys like you're saying like settle like a, a blitzing linebacker like holcomb or a guy like shaka tony it's just gonna free them up against a, 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 somebody who's not ready for them and I, I think it will translate to something and um I, it wouldn't it just wouldn't shock me to see tony yeah. make some big plays
0: it wouldn't shock you to see Shaka Tony. Ah, uh, there you go. Nice. That's what I was <laughs> and, trying to set us up for that all along. That's all I was looking for. That was a key moment of the podcast right there. We'll clip it. And honestly, don't be surprised if there's blitz packages where Shaka Tony is just like standing up behind Sweat and uh, Chase Young and then the D-line. Yeah. Like, don't be surprised if there's like a just an obvious – Bloodsing situation. He's just one of the linebackers on the field. Because he does do better, like, not getting that contact. We kind of broke him down a little bit on the post-draft pod. But, like, when he's just being able to use his speed and his hand movements and his long arms and, like, get in between those two guys, he can just shoot up in the gap and get a sack. Um, So, good point. Keep an eye out on that. Who do you think could possibly be your letdown of this season? And I'm going to say mine. And this one was tough. Because I don't want to just sit here and be a Debbie Downer. That's not me. Not the pessimistic fan. Um, but if I was looking at a guy that could set himself up to be a letdown, it would honestly be Saint juiced for me mm. because I love his skill set. I'm a huge fan of the guy. I'm a huge fan of how he plays. Not saying that I'm a hater at all. Because trust me, I was very excited about this pick. But I'm just thinking draft capital, how the fan base reacted when we drafted him. They're like, whoa, a corner in the third. Like, what are we doing? Like, kind of, right. I mean, it took people by surprise. Not a lot of people knew who he was. But if he just comes in, he's kind of like, ah, I don't know where I fit. I don't know where you want me. Oh, Kendall Fuller's here. Oh, William Jackson, 13. I like, I'll just come in whatever kind of thing. I don't, I don't think that will happen, but I, I just feel like he has the most potential and it would be like the heaviest letdown. Like if and Tony or someone, a seventh rounder just doesn't, you know, finish the season with like a sack or two, we're not going to be like, dang, that seventh round pick guy coming in. You know, unlimited snaps really let us down. It's going to be like the dang, that third-round corner that we got that we heard so much about just really didn't fit into this defense like Ryan Anderson really didn't fit into the defense. So who would your potential
1: guy be? So, again, kind of along the same lines, I don't think this is going to happen, but I feel like he has been so hyped up because of the year he had last year. Hyped up, and rightly so. I'm going to go back to, to cam curl. I'm going to say, you know, he had such a great year last year and and it was so unexpected because he was a seventh round pick and he stepped in um, when they kind of just needed somebody to do that at safety, that it could, it could be a bit of a letdown this year if he's not the same kind of player, if he's not having those same impact plays, you know, if people kind of start to know who he is and kind of um, game plan for that, Um, so I, I, again, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Cam Curl is the kind of guy that is going to work hard and is gonna, um, you know, just get better, but I could see a bit of a letdown, you know, a sophomore slump, um, something like that for Cam Curl. Again, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it could be a possibility. Maybe he's looking over his shoulder, you know, knowing that Landon Collins, you know, might take some of his playing time. And the fact that they signed McCain and all this kind of stuff, I could just see him maybe taking a step backwards. I don't want it to happen. I think that I want him to be a starting safety here for a long time, but I could see a little bit of a slip-up in Cam Curl.
0: I agree. And I I think he's you know a phenomenal player, but we're just looking at guys who could potentially be that letdown, especially after becoming this huge fan favorite. Yeah. It's going to be something to watch. But like I said, we really just want to break down the – blueprint for this defense how it could look these key additions and what it's really gonna look like but guys like we said last week every single week we want to bring a flashback in Washington history because Brian that's why we're fans these are the key moments as a fan that you really remember I mean I'm like an early 2000s guy I was born in 93 so I'm not gonna sit here and act like I watch you know Rick and then- Thousand throwing the ball yeah. <laughs> as an infant because to be honest with you, I didn't. I'm nearing 28. I know I look 19. My prime is going to be like 40. Don't worry. But these early 2000 games are key for me. So, Brian, this week's Washington rewind. <laughs> you did way better than me. One of my all time favorites, the Monday Night Miracle, September 19th, 2005. By this point, the Washington Redskins at the time had become the doormat of the NFC East. It was embarrassing. They had failed to beat the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas since 1995. 95, that's a too long of a time. That's over with, obviously. They had even failed to score a touchdown in seven consecutive quarters. Sounds yeah. like our offense a few years ago. That is when Washington pulled off one of the biggest comebacks and historic rivalry of the two clubs. With only 3 minutes and 55 seconds left, Washington was down 13-0. looked like another Washington-Dallas game at the time. But it was 4th-and-15, and and the Cowboy Killer began. The saga of Santana Moss. 4th-and-15, long touchdown pass, led by quarterback at the time, Mark Brunel. Great guy. I mean, love you it. think about all I these old-time quarterbacks. One of the most exciting moments for me as a fan. And then followed it up with another long touchdown pass to Santana Moss to end the game. And he nationally televised the beatdown at Dallas. 14-13, shook the world. Like they said, the Monday Night Miracle. Santana Moss. We were just talking about how, like, the trade with Lavernius Coles, to the Santana Moss and then if, uh, a year or two after that with playing Portis. Like, how historic of a moment that was for Washington getting those two players. But Santana yep. Moss, the the cowboy killer, it starts right then and there. Yep. How much does Santana mean to you in that moment with that game, that Monday Night Miracle?
1: I, man, I love Santana Moss. Probably one of my favorite Redskins. And like you, I, I was born early 90s. I'm, I'm 30 now, but 91. So I, I don't remember the Super Bowls. Super Bowls were unfortunately done by the time I was born you know when I was like nine months old right yeah yeah um but yeah Santana Moss has been one of my favorite players and uh, I mean he was catching touchdowns against the Cowboys until his final year I mean on 2012 on on Thanksgiving he caught a pass from RG3 so you're, you're right it started then on that crazy Monday night and ended uh you know you know that that awful streak they had. The Dallas. I, I couldn't Draft believe that ninety five to two thousand five. So ten years there. That's awful. Um, but yeah, that was awesome. I just remember Joe Gibbs kind of jumping into somebody's arms, and uh, <laughs> man, it was just really, really awesome. Uh, another thing I remember from that, I can't remember who the receiver was, but just got absolutely obliterated by Sean Taylor. Um, uh, You know, in the flats, uh, I'll have to look that. Up. I'm going to go look that up right after we're done with this. But you're going to go um, watch the whole game. Yeah, exactly. It, <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. One of the one things that I, I love, I've, I've always watched games, with my dad and my grandma and uh, my grandma, for whatever reason, would send me newspaper clippings of the games. And so she sent me in the mail because we were living down here in, in Georgia. She, would, she sent me all these newspaper clippings of, of that game. Like I didn't watch the highlights that, that I'd missed it or something. So I'll always remember that. And man, what a game and what a what a moment for Santana Moss before for uh, Washington as well.
0: Absolutely. And that Washington rewind was brought to you by Bet Online, just like this whole podcast was part of the Believe Podcast Network. But guys, we will see y'all next week to talk about the offense. Like we said, camp is coming up, and before you know it. Crossing my fingers, hope that fans will be allowed at training camp and that it's in Richmond. Stay close to me being here in Virginia. Sorry, Brian. But, guys, like I said, have a good Memorial Day. It's Sunday night, so if you're hearing this Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, hope you had a great Memorial Day in the past. <laughs> Eat a lot of food, cook a lot of stuff, spend some time, and remember the reason for the holiday. And thanks to all the vets who do listen to the podcast. I hear who served our country. Brian, that's good talking to you, sir. Like I said, we'll see y'all next week for a breakdown of the blueprint for the offense and another Washington <laughs> rewind, as Brian oh, does. <laughs> awesome. See y'all later. I've been ungrateful but thankful. but thankful. I've been ungrateful but thankful. Maybe I got it all too fast, too soon. Living life, no feelings, no rules. I've been trying to make it last, make it more.